Today's edition of the Roma Press Podcast is sponsored by our newest football betting tip partner at www.romapress.co.uk. Again, www.romapress.co.uk, where you can find the absolute best football betting tips. This past weekend, 93% accuracy. That's the Premier League, Serie A, Ligue 1, La Liga, as well as the Dutch League and the Bundesliga. If you bet on football, if you want to win more money for the price of a coffee per week, go to www.aromapress.co.uk to get all of these tips. Again, it's for six leagues across Europe with 93% accuracy. Start winning more bets and winning more money. www.aromapress.co.uk We're also brought to you by Euro Fantasy League for the very best in online fantasy football. Regardless if you're looking for a Premier League game, Serie A game, Champions League game, they have it all as well as some great original content. Again, EuroFantasyLeague.com. Welcome to the Roma Press Podcast with John Solano. All right, everyone, welcome back to another edition of the Roma Press Podcast. I'm Roma Press Editor John Solano. Andy's here with me. This is going to be a difficult one to discuss. Andy, what in the world happened against Spal? That cannot be explained. That cannot be explained, but oddly enough, it's happened so many times this season that um, we we played the way we played yesterday against relegation sides. Um, that truly, this is a result we we shouldn't have had. And and um, but to me, it, this year looking at Roma's season, it's become completely normal. Uh, and uh, that's the worrying thing is that I'm starting to get used to these sort of results and these sort of performances from a team like Roma, a team that aspires to uh, Champions League football. Speaking of Champions League football, was mm. that the end of it? Look, I may be, I, I may sound blasphemous. Uh, I, I've made my peace with the fact that we will likely uh, be out of the Champions League and and we'll be playing Europa League at best next season. I, I truly, I, because. Looking at the schedule, we basically would have to win every single game from now on, or end and end hope for uh, an inter disaster um, to take place, which I don't expect, and I just don't think that this team has what it needs uh, uh, to pick itself up after these horrible few months and um, and and finish on a positive note. I just don't see it happening, and. Then there is this side of mine that I, I try to, you know, I try to look look at both sides of the of the spectrum. And you know, do I want to see this team get through to the Champions League and and then have this sort of illusion that we had perhaps last season, just because we made the uh, a Champions League semifinal, just because of that, fans were uh, had these unreal expectations and. Uh, the management had these unrealistic expectations. And I just, I just think, on one hand, it's going to be terrible to see Rome out of the Champions League, especially from a fan perspective. But I think it's also a much-needed reality check because this was a horrible season, and it shouldn't be swept under the rug. Um, it, it should be used on it as an example of what to of what not to do next time. Yeah, and I think, I mean, we can get into more specifics about the match, but I feel like that almost entirely misses the point. Exactly. It's clear just the team is not is not good enough. I, I think we can all make peace with that. So as we're recording this, about four maybe five hours ago, Monchi was officially unveiled as returning to Sevilla. What do you make of that? Because I have to tell you, my my respect for him pretty much went down the drain 
after that <laughs> to to run away like that to leave the team in shambles to quit and then not even two weeks later um to just go back home pick up your ball leave go home i i have to say very worm very wormy move uh yeah i um i of course i agree that you know it's a bad move and um i i just don't like how he handled the situation i don't like the fact that so often he spoke uh and then these words were not translated into action and uh i mean if you remember he he said forza roma not even three weeks ago or something Mm. like that um after that incident at the airport with the fans so i think it's just a very messy situation obviously what how he handled it is is wrong but i'm probably the only one who is kind of satisfied at the same time that he chose to go back because and not you know for example sign immediately with a club like arsenal because at the end of the day i think he um yeah he hand mishandled the whole situation but at the end of the day i think he uh realized what his limitations are he realized that he can only operate the way he wants to operate and uh, within uh, Sevilla, within his you know uh, familiar setting, uh, where he has all the scouting networks that he needs to succeed. So, on one hand, I'm as you say, I, I I'm I have a bad taste in my mouth about him la- leaving the way he did. But on the other hand, I can't understand him going back to Sevilla, just not the way he, he did. Yeah, I I just, I don't know. Something doesn't sit right with me with leaving this team in shambles because we have to be clear now. This team is in shambles. If if you're late to the party in this regard and maybe you had the wool over your eyes, just watch Spa Roma because... No, don't do it. Don't. Don't. (laughs) That was a disaster yesterday. I I, I mean, I, I don't even know what to say. That was terrible. Is there any defender on this team worth anything? Because, but wow, no, no, no. and see, John, this is this is I'm conflicted about this because you probably know more about the Mercado than I do, and uh, I just I I Roma. This is okay. I think that every single Roma fan right now needs to brace themselves, you know, just expect the worst, you know, possible. Uh, uh, These are going to be tough times. But the reality of the situation is that Roma always need to sell. That's how they make their living. So I I see uh, a lot of people being mad about not going into the Champions League, you know, not making the, 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 the fourth place because they are afraid of, selling uh players that they like or players that they consider important but the reality of the situation is that roma will have to sell no matter what and uh between going getting the champions league spot and 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 getting the europa league spot there is a very slight difference in how much uh money they have to make off of sales um if that's how i understand it and and this team is so flawed. This team is so bad. The fact is, that the, the matter of fact is that this team is not a team. So you, you, this team will need to be taken apart this summer. Um, and that's also why, you know, I'm hopeful. Like, you have to, you have to come to the realization that players like Florenzi don't deserve the money they're making. Players like Perotti, they don't deserve the money they're making. Players like Dzeko need to leave the club after this season because um, we need to start over again. And it's something we said last season and it happened, you know, by selling Raja and Strotman, but it was built the wrong way. Monchi made terrible mistakes. Di Francesco made terrible mistakes by not being able to work with what he had um, and by not instilling some sort of identity and, you know, giving this team a, a sense of being a team. So, no matter what the outcome is of this this season, 
even if we make fourth spot by some pure mir- miracle, this is not the team that can go forward. I don't want to see this team in the Champions League next season. I want this team to be torn apart, top to bottom, and that's it. Yeah, I think sometimes you almost need a little bit of a house fire so you can build things up again, just because this team is so flawed. There's just so many players, as you mentioned, who are not good enough, especially when you compare it to what they're earning. Um, the thing that bothered me, though, yesterday was there were so many people defending Di Francesco. Oh, I thought it was his fault. Oh, I thought it was Munch's oh fault, sarcastically. This is... It's like, why can't two things be true? The players can be shit. Di Francesco can be a very, very poor manager, and Munchie did terribly. Yeah, why can't it's... all three of these things be possible? <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. This is yeah. this is a project that was... that the, the situation we're in is because of all three parties. That's it. We're not... We're not casting blame on one party. It's it's equally divided. Yeah, I, you know, nobody is free from responsibility here. I mean, this entire season, Palotta, uh, Monchi, Di Francesco, the players, the, to blame it on one party or the other, I think, completely misses the point, and is just one of the reasons why. It just the fans, the environment, it's always so difficult because somebody's got to be the scapegoat. And it's just like everybody has had a poor season. Everybody is responsible. So given that this summer, I think we're going to see a big reconstruction. Who would you want as a sporting director? Because I I have to be honest, other than Sabatini, I, I don't even know who I would want. And I don't even know who's possible. Well, yeah, I from the initial report, I mean, I, I, I read what, Ostini writes, I, I listen to what uh, Biafora and DeSantis from La Stampa say, uh, and the expectations are pretty low. Uh, the, the reality of the situation is you're, we're not going to get, like people that are still believing in the Sari rumors, I mean, Sari may be a, a very distant possibility if we make the Champions League. If we don't, then uh, I, you know, even on that coaching, uh, um, on the, the the future of the co, of the possible coach, the expectations are pretty grim. But on the sporting side, I think, I think this team after the exper- after the experiment of Monchi of having this foreign uh, sporting director uh, who's had, you know, has this whole method and is very. He's famous for the way he handles uh, the Mercado business, for the way he scouts, for the way he you know, sets up a network. I just think we need to go back to the basics. Find someone that knows how the Mercato works in Italy. We know, we've seen Monchi struggle with so many deals. I mean, think about the deal for Defrel. I, th- I think that deal took like six months to be completed and uh, Monchi going back and forth uh, with the Sassuolo management. So I just think we need to stick to, you know, someone who, who knows the reality of the Serie A, uh, someone like Petrarchi from, from Torino. Of all the possible names, that's the only name I really, I have nothing against and, uh, and the only name I like. Uh, I think the the job he did at, at Torino in recent years has been very good. You know, uh, deals like for Falke, deals like Nkulu and Itzo are what make Torino uh, a better team than they were um, this year. So that's the name I'm going for, seeing as Juntoli has, has, uh, has uh, uh, got a new contract extension yeah, with... You know, with Napoli, and then you have Auxilio, who is a mess and uh, <laughs> apparently is going to uh, extend his contract with Inter. So I don't see many options, as you said, Sabatini, but I'm sticking, if I have to, I'm sticking to Petrarchi. And if I really, I, I would love to see what Massara can do. I mean, this guy has been in so the. Yeah. This guy has been behind the curtains for so long and always, you know, always being treated as the guy who steps in in emergency situations. Why don't we give him a chance? Um, I'm not expecting anything special this summer. So, you know, just stick to the basics. 
I would give him a chance and I would uh, elevate Balzaretti to be sort of his right-hand man. I, I, I really like Masada. I had the chance to meet him this summer for the first time. Um, Seems like a nice guy. Yeah. 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 Um, (laughs) Just, he doesn't talk a lot. He's very reserved, pretty much the opposite of Monchi. Um, I don't know. I, I just, he, I think he deserves a chance. First off, I, I, I think people underestimate the level of how good his eye for talent is. Um, obviously, Sabatini will get the plaudits for all the signings that he's made, but I think Masada has had a big hand in a lot of those. Um, well, my, my, it so, wasn't Masada also the one res- for, responsible, you know, for placing all the Roma youngsters from the Primavera to Serie B teams and right. uh, just overall the ha- management of uh, younger players. Yeah. Um, so what if I told you, so if I say the name for the new manager, Mar- uh, Marco Giampaolo, do you, does that make you happy or do you think, oh shit? Well, because my, uh, my feelings on him have really changed over the past <laughs> week or so. He's a difficult coach to figure out. I mean, some Doria are a very unbalanced team. They go from playing wonderful football to just going weeks without getting a decent result. But again, I <laughs> this is a reality check, and it should be a reality check for everybody. I think Giampaolo, uh, as reported by many journalists, is one of the main names for the coaching uh, staff. So I, I don't have an opinion, really, because I, I really don't know what to expect. I thought... I thought Bringing in Di Francesco from Sassuolo was a good move. Um, turned out not to be. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I I just I don't know. Initially, I thought it was a good move, um, but then if you just look at if you just look at what they've achieved defensively over the past couple of seasons since he's arrived, it's not great. Roma needs someone organized at the back. And for people who forget, I mean, this was a guy when he was at Brescia. I mean, he left the club because it got too difficult for him. Yes. He just disappeared. I know. And, <laughs> he literally disappeared. And what, for three and what days. about yesterday? Yesterday, he uh, he basically complained about Sampdoria selling too many players. Too, yeah, right. That's, that, again, we, this is Roma cannot keep fooling their managers. And, like, I don't know what happens behind the, you know, behind the cup, but but the important thing is that you bring in a manager who is fully conscious of the decision he's making and knows what he's in for. You you just he needs to know that every year you will lose a bunch of players because that's the way Roma make a living. They cannot it's as a club we cannot survive without making plus Valenza and obviously this is considered a meme by now but that's the truth and I think that so many even Di Francesco this year he seemed completely kind of like frustrated with the way everything went with the Mercado and um, I think uh, the fact that even after he signed initially he lost what he lost Rudiger he lost Salah so I think Roma need to get their priorities straight for this Mercado. They need to, you know, rebuild, but rebuild like really well. They need to just, I don't care if it's with youngsters, if it's just cut down the costs of the team, get players that make little, but, you know, perform uh, and, and get a coach like, like Gasperini. I'm not saying get Gasperini because Gasperini is also one to complain about Mercado and players being sold and stuff. But a, a, a coach that can, you know, utilize the players to their full potential no matter who they are. Um, and that's all Roma can hope for, really. I, I agree. So... In my opinion, this team, and you mentioned it too, it needs an entire overhaul. And I don't know if you agree with this, but in my opinion, this team, just the players, I find extremely unlikable. Like, I, I'm this. This is my flaw as a human being, but 
my opinion on someone forms very quick. Usually I can tell if I like somebody within like five to 10 <laughs> seconds just by talking. Um, and then there's also the other factor, the face punchability. Um, yes. If you just look like a, a real bastard and I don't like, and you mix that with just being a asshole of a person, um, there's just something there, this concoction that gets built, and I just do not like you. And I feel like there's at least 10 players on Roma who fit that bill. So on the pitch yesterday, I counted the only player that I genuinely perhaps liked was maybe Zaniolo and Schick. Um, and you want to talk about just like punchable, you want to grab him by the shirt. Olsen and Fazio and Juan Jesus are like at the top of my man, list. What, what about Jekyll? Jesus Christ. You know, that's oh, man. another person. Like, why can't he put all that anger, all that frustration into the pitch instead of... Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, and that, that's... This is... Yeah, that's... I'm, you're spot on. This is an unlikable team. Yeah, I mean, let's be clear. I mean, even in the years where Roma were shit... I mean, extremely shit. There were at least players that you could sort of attach to because they gave everything they had for the shirt. They may not have been great, but they were at least likable. Hey, I like Torosidis. That's that's a guy that I liked. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the best hairlines in all of Calcio. Um, <laughs> wow. But seriously, I, I was just watching this team yesterday, and I'm just like, oh, Cristante, I don't like you. Jekko, I don't like you. <laughs> Olsen, I, 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 and I say this because he, he seems like an extremely nice guy, and, and this is so unfair of me to say, but I do not like him in any way, shape, or form. Um, I don't know what it is. Just something about him. Every time he gives up a goal, he flails his arms. He, the first thing he does is he extends his arms and complains. Um, when he dives for the ball... There is something that doesn't connect between his brain and his body. Like, yeah. if you look at him dive, it looks like he's chasing after a butterfly and falling. But maybe maybe I, he is, you know. Yeah. I don't know. Something. I, it seems like something broke down in this team. And uh, Olsen is just one of the many sh mentally shattered souls on this team. This is why, oh. this is why we cannot go forward. Doesn't. And and that's also why, on one hand, I'm a little bit relieved. Just I know I don't want to be criticized, but I'm a little bit relieved if we don't make the Champions League yeah. because I think that then it, it's going to be a reality check for the management. They're not going to do stupid things like, for example, renew a player like El Sharawi, who we all like, and yes, we've praised him. But I'm afraid that if we make a ch the Champions League, Roma will renew him for like 4.5 million or 4 million, like a top player, um, just because of this one season and make the same mistake they made with uh, Perotti two years ago, with Florenzi a year ago. And, and that's not, you know, Roma makes, so, the players at Roma make so much money um, if you compare the salaries of even a, a Juan Jesus, he makes more money than basically the entire Torino defense. And I don't mm. see any Torino defender who's really worse than uh, uh, Juan Jesus. So it, on one hand, I'm just happy. I, I would be relieved because I know that Roma would have to. Well, they will be forced to offload dead weight they will be forced to offload players that are good but not good enough and and then just rebuild so yes Olsen out get somebody that makes little money is experienced is good is proven in the Serie A uh, there have been rumors uh, from uh, Torino journalists that Roma are looking at Sirigu that's one of. I love that he's had an incredible season. That, that's the that's the kind of profile I'm for. You know, low co cost, experience, and and has performed in this league. And this is it. This is what we can expect. Yeah. So if you want to get depressed, let me go down the list of highest earners at Roma. Jacko, four point five million. Oh. Pastore, three and a half million. Oh. And Zonzi, 3.1 million. Oh, net. brother. Tedossi, 3 million net. Florenzi, 2.8 million <sighs> net. Perotti, 2.8 million net. Manolas, 2.7 mm. million net. That 
that's completely yeah. fair, warranted. He probably deserves more. Um, Fazio, two and a half no. million. No. Chic. Chic, two and a half oh, million man. net. Juan Jesus, 2.2 million net. Um, and then El Shadawi Kolarov, around 2 million net. Uh, see, that's... So that's why, how many names did I write off? 10, 11? I mean, how many of those would you offload, genuinely? I, 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 would, I, mean, I would say I, 10. I, I would probably say 10. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, other than Manolas, I would keep Schick and I would keep El Sharawi. I, I would, I would get rid of every single person who I rattled off there. It's yeah, uh, it, you know, that's the scary thing is that we just pay too much. We just pay too much, and we're not performing. Uh, this is this should be a, a big emergency situation. And yesterday, Masara said we're not a consider we're not considering yet a scenario where we don't make the Champions League. Well, you boys better get ready because <laughs> you know, <laughs> get your asses in movement because this is it, it, it's happening. You know, just uh, just get get going. <laughs> Yeah. So to end it here, have you ever been more thankful that an international break has arrived? Because this season has felt um, so long, like painful. <laughs> um, it's been painful. It's felt like a job. You know, football is, suppo- is supposed to take you away from your everyday life. Um, it's supposed to, you know, obviously it breaks your heart. We all love Roma, but it, it, it feels like that this has been very, very... Um, taxing on all of us, and this is not. Been yeah, no. You also, you have two little girls and one on the way, so you can't sleep at nights, mm. and you can't sleep on the day because you have Roma. So, it's um, yeah, it's been it's this season's been brutal. I, I don't I don't particularly look forward to this international break because there's going to be so much talk now, so many rumors, so much, you know, so many quotes. I don't want. I don't. I'm not looking forward to quotes from Bonchi. Uh, I'm not looking forward to uh, trans transfer market rumors. I'm not looking for. I just. I, I. I really wish I could hibernate for the rest of the season and wake up on the first day of next season. Yeah, I, if I could push the fast forward button to the first of June, I, I wouldn't even hesitate. I'd press it immediately. So. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean this this season has just been painful and. I have to say, I, I have never looked more forward to a season being over because th- th- there's been nothing this season. Nothing. Nothing. No, nothing. no satisfactions. Many expectations, no satisfactions. Um, and that's that's the life of a Roma fan. So wrap it up. Uh, plan the Mercado. Get, you know, get going. Make decisions and 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 just rebuild. Rebuild. Yeah, I agree. All right, we're going to end it here, Andy. We will, uh, I don't know when we'll be back because the, the prospect of talking at length about this season just is not even the least bit enticing. So, Andy, we'll leave it here. But now I'm going to bring on our good friend Terry Daly. Now, we recorded this before Roma and their loss against Spal. So keep that in mind. But he and I talked a little bit um, about Roma this season, where it's gone wrong. Also discussed the possibility of Maurizio Sarri taking over at the club. So let me bring Terry on now, and then the episode is going to end immediately after. So thank you, everyone, for listening. It's greatly, greatly appreciated. If you could continue to subscribe, leave reviews, all that good stuff, it really, really helps, and we would really, really appreciate it. So let me bring Terry on now, and like I said, the podcast will end immediately after. So thank you so much for listening. Ciao. All right, Terry is with me now. He has made the long-awaited return. I feel like we've been trying to plan this for a while now. So, Terry, do do we want to start with the the Chelsea misery or the Roma misery? Which one is less depressing for you? Um, uh, let's let's start with Roma just to kind of get the ball rolling. Um, where do, where do we want to start with this complete? bleep of a situation that's been slowly that's been slowly slowly developing over the course of the last sort of two and a half years or so you know well you, you clearly well not clearly you're quite happy with Ranieri returning no I mean I love look I mean you know I think anyone 
anyone who supports uh, Chelsea and, and Roma, and I think there's probably precisely one of those people, me, um, it cannot but cannot can only be happy for the guy because I mean he, I loved him when he was at Chelsea. I mean this was way way before I started watching, started seriously watching Roma. You know I was still a more or less coming out of my teens, and he he always kind of exuded um, sort of joy, and he was a love and he was a lovely man, and he also did a really really tricky job. At Chelsea in, in the in the immediate pre Abramovich era, when really the club had absolutely didn't have any money at all. I mean, I remember the season, his final season before, um, just after the no, sorry, the season before Rani, um, what's it, um, Abramovich showed up, and Chelsea could own, I think they spent in that summer, two thousand two, I believe it was, they spent precisely four hundred and fifty thousand pounds on um, a sort of reserve a Spanish midfielder who ended up being a reserve. I can't even remember his name. And he still managed to get them into the into the Champions League, which is kind of, if we want to do a neat segue, um, fairly parallel to what is going on at Roma at the moment, in the sense that Roma obviously are not the richest club in Syria, um, don't have a huge huge amount of um, money to spend, partly because of the sort of relatively low commercial revenues they have, don't have their own stadium, yada yada yada, um, and the sort of competition that they have immediately around them. Um, makes it makes it very tricky if they don't continuously qualify for the Champions League to re-qualify for the Champions League. Um, and, you know, he's turned up at a time when, remember what, they're only three points off the top four. Right. I mean, things are not good, but they're not disastrous yet. You know, I think getting rid of Di Francesco was the right move. I think it came a bit too late. I mean, frankly, I wasn't ever a fan of his, more or less, since the get-go. I didn't think he ever really managed to... Uh, build a, a kind of signature style of play that you could look at and say, yeah, this is what this Roma team is all about. I always kind of felt it was, it seemed faintly improvised. The players didn't ever really look like, or at least they didn't transmit itself to the pitch. They did believe in what he was doing. And I don't think the semi-final of the Champions League can cover that up. I mean, last season, league campaign was miserable to watch. I mean, this one hasn't really been any much better. Um, and I think one thing you can say about Renier is that he knows how to transmit enthusiasm. You can he gets people behind him, regardless of the fact that he isn't, you know, he hasn't really ever won much in his career. He has a personality, and he also has a history with the club, especially given if you go back to his, his previous spell as coach, which I was in the ground for regularly as a season ticket holder, and was absolutely magical. Um, I think, you know, it's the right move. It's, it's one of the first moves, positive moves, I think the club's made in who knows how long. Not possibly, possibly since, I mean, I, I, I was quite a fan of Spalletti. If anyone follows my timeline knows, you know, he had his problems. But I think ever since he went and the, the disaster, the kind of tension that was there between him and Totti and, and the club hierarchy, that was, even though Roma got quite good results, it was always faintly ugly. Um, I think more or less since then, this is kind of the first sort of beacon of, joy I suppose a bit of light um, so yeah I mean I don't think they played very well on uh, last weekend but I think it, him coming along is a great move especially given the, the situation where we're in now and coming in at the time when he can make a real difference and kind of give that new manager bounce so they could actually maybe overtake Inter who are you know kind of in the midst of their own <laughs> traditional sure. traditional crisis of their own you know yeah so who do you blame most for this season really just going oh, so far off the tracks. Um, oh crap. Well, they say in Italy, don't know the head, uh, the mm. fish stinks from the head. You know, um, I don't want to kind of lay all the blame on on politics because I think sometimes he's um, unfairly sort of gone after by the the local supporters just simply for the fact that he's American and not really anything else. I mean, the the club in, is in a particular situation with uh, with financial fair play that it does make it tricky to kind of really pump money unless you just want to flout it. But, you know, I don't personally think much of the clubs who are like allegedly certain clubs in England and France who allegedly <laughs> flout um, mm. these FFP regulations because allegedly they have uh, very cosy relationships with certain people within European football hierarchy. I don't think I'd like to support a club that does that kind of stuff. So, I can kind of understand the the club situation. You know, it's tricky to do stuff without. Um, it's tricky to do certain things without uh, proper revenues, commercial revenues, the likes of which Juventus have and the big English clubs have, and you know, Barca around, but and by Munich do. 
having said that, um, something kind of uh, the 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 real reason for the way Roma are the way they are at the moment is the way the the strategy which is laid out by the club hierarchy. I mean, you can point the finger to Francesco as I don't think he's a very good coach, um, or rather not a good enough coach for a club the size of Roma, but. You know, he was employed partly because for budgetary reasons, you know, they didn't, they're not going to go. I'd be very surprised if come next season they go for someone of the calibre or rather the, the cost of Conte or Mourinho because they just can't afford his wages. And, you know, the club has taken a, a decision that leads to the sort of people like Di Francesco coming along and trying to do something within a fairly restricted budget, especially if you don't qualify. Mm. For the Champions League, I mean that's just the way it is, really. I mean, it, you, I suppose so. If you want to look at it like that, you can say the blame is on the the club hierarchy, but the the club hierarchy is the kind of the way it is because of what happened before the Americans showed up. I mean, the dire straits that were in before that, and then subsequently the sort of you know, the UEFA regulations which limit what clubs uh, Roma size can actually do. Right. So. One of the names that has been linked for the for the for the Dolpo Ranieri has been your your man Maurizio Sarri. So I think now this is just a pure outsider's point of view. I would say most would say he's been underwhelming. Um, but let, just my opinion, I mean, if you hire him, don't you think he's going to need some time to implement that, that style? I mean... Yeah, I do. I think, you know, uh, what's been coming on at Chelsea is, is kind of a similar, in a similar... In a similar way, in that what's, what's happened at Roma has been coming because a result of the strategy of selling your best players and hoping with the sort of money that you earn through uh, transfer, you know, getting big transfers, big players, you can buy and build a squad and uncover those new talents and it's worked it's kept Roma in the Champions League for you know largely in the Champions League for the last five six seven years um, but sooner or later uh, you're going to have an off season or an off two seasons where you don't buy the right players or you don't have the right manager and then it all kind of collapses around you um, I think the situation at Chelsea is, is a, is a, has been coming for a very very long time um, more or less ever since the the key players of the Mourinho era started to kind of drop off, you know, ever since Drogba left and and John Terry retired and, and Frank Lampard went, uh, went away. You know, you had those kind of core, regardless of whoever was, else was around them, you had this kind of core identity of players, which the the rest of the squad kind of grouped around. I think with Chelsea at the moment, there's not really anything like that. You know, the the club isn't spending money like it once did. Um, that makes it tricky for managers. Um, to rebuild the squad, you know, and I mean the the situation with coaches is, I mean I don't really even know how to describe it really. It's just a merry-go-round, and there's a culture I think. At least I'm not you know privy to any information, so I'm not going to start talking like I'm in the know or anything. But the kind of culture that emanates from without that club is one of extreme ill discipline, and one where player power is rampant and has been since way before you know so during the, the period of you know when Terry and Lampard and Drogba were there I mean you only have to look at when they won the Champions League 2012 I mean do you really think Roberto Di Matteo was the one who kind of masterminded masterminded that on his own I mean no of course he didn't <laughs> and you know when you look at even Avram Grant when in the same period you know you look at his win ratio it's actually like wow he's not that bad a manager you know he took Chelsea to the Champions League final but you know again that was Mourinho's team and, you know, Mourinho's players basically saying, right, we're going to play like this. You know, this is... Avram Grant didn't really have a huge amount to do with that. He's not some super coach, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, at this situation, Chelsea have kind of point a crossroads in their in their post-Abramovich, in, their, in the Abramovich era, in the sense that they now have to find a, a new sort of vision for themselves, a new idea of how to play and, and how to present themselves as well. Because, you know, they're not on the level of City, not just in the fact that they don't have the players or the coach that City do. They don't, they're not investing the same kind of money. They're not the sort of uh, PlayStation football club that they were, you know, back in, you know, 2006, 2007, when they were just, you know, chucking money around like it was going out of fashion. And now there's a much more kind of stable stru financial structure there. You know, they're trying to kind of play within their means. They generally do all right with that, you know, in terms of 
their earnings and stuff. So they're kind of a more, in that sense, more professionally run club, but that makes it harder for anyone to come in. I mean, if you, like you say, if you get someone like Sari in and you don't have the players, which they don't have the players to uh, implement that style of play, um, you have to either back him with in the transfer market and get rid of the players that, that can't do it for him. Um, and they, that would, could only be in the summer, really, because he only, you know, he arrived, you know, without having been able to do preseason because of the, the Conte issue. Um, so, I mean, it, I, I think he's come in, in a, a, to a really difficult club, a really difficult time with a really, and I say this as a lifelong supporter, really impatient, humpy fan base that um, has got in the last 25 years has been incredibly spoiled by the amount of success. Sure. That it's seen, you know, back from when I was you know, 13, 14, you know, I mean, I started going to Chelsea when I was 10, 11 years old, regularly with my family. And anyone who remembers sort of football, English football from the early 90s will know that Chelsea were absolute garbage. I mean, they were, they were middling, you know, mid-table Premier League side with no real prospects of ever going beyond that. And it wasn't until, you know, they started pumping money into the club in sort of late 90s and they started buying basically all Italian, you know, half the squad seemed to be from Italy, um, that they started winning trophies again. And ever since then, you know, it's been the best part of not three, no, two and a half decades where they've just won trophies more or less every single year. So any manager that comes into that club now is expected to win quickly and implement their style of play quickly. And he hasn't done that. And he's also coming, he's also a coach that doesn't really trust young players. And one of the things that Chelsea has as a club that isn't spending lots of money on transfer market has is a very good youth system with a lot of very young, promising players. Right. So, and if you look at Roma, I mean, you're going to bring it back to Roma. You look at Sarri coming to Roma. I mean, again, Roma is a club that also produces, you know, has a good youth system. It's that's one way of helping a club that can't spend a huge amount of money kind of keep at the level that it needs to keep, to keep its accounts in order, relatively in order. Um, you know, is Sarri going to do that? Right. I, you know, do you think he's going to do that? I mean, looking at it from your point of view, I mean, do you think Sarri is going to come in and, and, um, and, and I, start bringing in players from the youth team and revolutionising the way they play? No, no. I, I think, from my standpoint, the biggest appeal for him is just his temperament. He's very nonchalant. He doesn't mm. give a shit if people criticise him. And mm. clearly that's something you need for this environment. Um, I want Sari to stay at Chelsea only because I want to hear real Ferdinand enlighten us more about the role of the <laughs> Regista and uh, why yes. Jorginho doesn't have more assists. Um, I mean, that's... Right. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't live in the country anymore, so I can avoid Rio mm. as much as, as you can, frankly. So, I mean, I, I yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I've, I, I kind of... I do kind of feel for Sari. At Chelsea, I don't think it's a very easy job. Having said that, um, it's not been very good, and it's not been very good in a very preventable way. I think if you look at the players that he's got at his disposition, he could have made better decisions in the short term that would have made the implementation of the so-called um, uh, system uh, much easier. I mean, I, th I, th I find his complete refusal to use Callum Hudson Odoi in any kind of meaningful manner, absolutely baffling. When you look at the players that he's regularly playing in a position where Hudson Odoi excels, if you look at the fact he's playing William and Pedro alongside Hazard, um, or had you know alongside Hazard or alongside Giroud or alongside Higuain or whoever, um, I, I can't get my head around that at all. I mean, especially when you have a fan base that is is crying out for some kind of oomph, some lift, you mm. know, some kind of excitement because the thing is about the you know the Sarri system when he was at Napoli it was great because it was exciting to watch it was thrilling it was cut and thrust it was you know fast it wasn't this kind of ponderous not even tiki-taka but sort of kind of slow possession football in front of a mass ranked eight man defense you know there was a lot more to it than that with Chelsea it kind of just seems it's kind of passing with no excuse me passing with kind of no real end product, no real reason to exist. You may as well at this point, if they're just going to be into the box, I mean, right. it's just, you know, it doesn't have a, um, doesn't seem to have any kind of real subtlety to it. It doesn't seem to draw out the fences. It's, um, it's a very, very odd kind of stale um, team at the moment that he's got there. I mean, I think if we were going to come back to Roman and look at what, if he did 
come to Rome um, and look at the players that he's got at his disposition. And let's just assume, for instance, that um, uh, Ranieri doesn't blast Rome into the Champions League with like a sort of 10 match winning run or whatever. And, and, you know, he doesn't end up getting the full time gig. You know, let's say Roma finish outside the top four and, and therefore their transfer, their, their summer transfer spending will be effectively next to nil. I'm going to assume they're not going to spend a huge amount of money, right? Um, look at the players that they've got now. Can you see Sarri building something more with what he has, what, what he will have at his disposition? And I'm not convinced that he yeah. could. I mean, I, I think if you look at some of the players that they've got now, Roma, I don't think, I mean, Monchi, I don't think he did a particularly good job. But again, he was at a club, you know, quite a dysfunctional club and it was very tricky to kind of come in and wave the magic wand when really, you know, the, the main, the aim of the game is to make sure that you don't lose money on your transfer window. Um, you've got some talented players there, if you can keep them fit. You know, you've got a midfield that I could imagine. If you, Let's say you, you have Cristant, uh, Pellegrini and Zaniolo who all play midfield you know let's say he makes that decision to play that midfield those are three players who I can see playing a kind of relatively quick zippy passing game together in midfield um, you know you've got interesting wingers there you know Cliver hasn't been great but I still think he's a talent and is worth persevering with you've got Under who's a good player you've got um, dare I name him Patrick Sheik um, <laughs> who I still want to believe can come good. And this is probably the Chelsea fan in me having watched um, and cheered on, desperately cheered on a succession of lame centre-forwards who you just wanted to do well, you know, from Kesman to Shevchenko to God knows who else, Chris Sutton, Kazaragi, you know, going back, Paul Furlong, if we want to go back to the early 90s, you know, like just, there's something there with Schick. He's definitely got talent and, I hope if I think it was a positive sign to see him score the other day. Um, you know, I, if if a good manager can come in, if, if I think if there's one manager who could possibly get Sarri going, uh, get the shit going, it might actually be Sarri. Mm. Um, so I mean, if you look at some of those players, there's definitely the the a case there that he could do a job. But I mean, look at the, the defense. I mean, it's a disaster area, and the goalkeeper is you know average. So I mean. <laughs> What do you think he could do that could get Roma higher than fifth place? Is is a if if they don't qualify for Champions League this year? I don't honestly, um, I don't really know. Well, in the last forty eight hours, there's been two or three different outlets who have said Danny Drinkwater to Roma. Oh <laughs> yes, my man. Oh, I mean, I don't know whether they're kind of whether whether Roma and Chelsea have just decided that they were going to kind of merge into this one giant sort of I don't know mistake of a football club <laughs> and um and just for my benefit so I don't have to support two teams anymore you know I can just have one huge team that is constantly making terrible decisions and uh messing things up in a comedic fashion and and you know that seems to be the way they're going so good luck to them um mm. I, the idea of Danny Drinkwater coming to Roma is just the most ludicrous can't possibly be truest story I think I've heard on an, an, of, a, of a Roma or Chelsea transfer market in 10 years. Mm. What on earth would possess Roma to buy him? What on earth would he give the team? <laughs> Seriously, uh, someone tell me like what he gives the team. Because, I, you know, he, he did a job at Leicester great and he's not done a job at Chelsea. He's basically invisible. Can you imagine him coming to Roma and, and, and integrating himself? into the city learning the language and becoming a key part of that midfield it just um, well ashley cole is our baseline so based on that <laughs> no oh poor ash oh dear that, i've got a lot of time i've got a lot of time for the man that so I was can't, uh, i can't have him slagged off on the show come on man poor that, thing i mean he was what was he what was he 104 when he signed him it was you know <laughs> yeah that, that was a yeah well you know all right, now lastly, um, what are your plans if Chelsea have to sell Hazard? What do you do? Um, oh, God, we're going to move on to Chelsea Therapy bill? Now, what, what, what happens? What happens if Chelsea get well, Hazard? It's not about if, really, is it, John? Let's be honest, it's going to happen. So, I mean, I've already, you know, quite... I've sort of already steeled myself for this. I'd already prepared myself for this in 
previous summer. And then when Zidane went, I thought, oh, handy, that's nice. And then once he wasn't, you know, didn't seem to be in the pitch, I thought Mourinho was going back to Real Madrid. I thought, ah, lovely, another year of Hazard. Now that Zidane's back at Madrid, I mean, he's out the door. And, mm. and, I, and, I don't, and I don't blame him, to be honest. I mean, he's been... Uh, all right, he's won a couple of league titles, and that is, sounds incredibly pompous and spoiled to say that. But, I mean, he's, he's playing way below his level at the moment. He, he should be... At, the player of that quality should be at an elite football club in Chelsea and not an elite football club at the moment. You know, he's carrying a mediocre team to third, maybe fourth place this year. And without them, without Hazard there, you know, you look at the, the rest of that Chelsea and you just think, where on earth are they going to go without him? Unless Pulisic comes in and, and is the, you know, the new Messiah, which I don't, I can't see. Well, I mean, maybe he could, he's a very good player, but you know, it is what it is. I think we're kind of, I think Chelsea are kind of destined for a good few years of bobbing along in the Europa League places until, until either they find the right manager who can kind of craft something or another superstar player. Mm. And, uh, that's where we're at at the moment. It's not a particularly thrilling, happy football landscape that I'm looking at at the moment, <laughs> looking at my two teams. So, you know, I'm, 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 I'm bunging it all on, all my cash on Ranieri at the moment. That's where I want to see it. All my, uh, all my happy chips mm. are going on Ranieri. I want him to do a, a job and bring a smile back to uh, the face of my former city. And I'm just going to kind of hope that Chelsea don't, you know, implode once Hazard goes next season. Well, that's a that's a scary bet that you have to put all your eggs in. So, it's a fairly big basket. I'm hoping my eggs can fill it, you know? That's fair enough. That's fair enough. So, we will edit here, Terry. Everyone, you can find him on ESPN. I know I didn't give out his Twitter handle before uh, we brought him on, so I apologize for that. But... Again, you can find him on ESPN FC, writing about Roma. You can find him on Twitter at T underscore daily. That's T underscore D-A-L-E-Y. And you can also see him on AFP Sport, where he writes about various sports. And I think he does other things outside of sports as well. I think maybe a little politics. I'm not sure. But uh, Terry, thanks so much for coming on. And everybody, we will end the episode here, and we will see you for the next one. Ciao.